will now turn to the reading of Scripture, hearing from the Word of God. Our first reading this morning is from Psalm 116, and we're going to read verses 1 to 4, and then 12 to 19. Starting at verse 1, Psalm 116. I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. And then moving on to verse 12. What shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. Truly I am your servant, Lord. I serve you just as my mother did. You have freed me from my chains. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second reading is from the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 17 through 23. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it is not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. It is our tradition here to stand when we hear the words from the gospel. May I invite you please to stand. The Gospel reading comes from the Gospel of St. Luke. Now that day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces were downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. 
He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one, the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are! How slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken! Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. It's nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures? And they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven, and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. And then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please do be seated. So we have before us this scripture, written by Luke. And we have the two disciples asking the eternal question, why? Why? Why did it all end like this? Why did he have to die? Why is he still dead? Why? They were stuck with the questions of why. They hadn't encountered the resurrected Jesus. They were stuck with the question, why? Why did he die? He said he was the resurrection and the life. They had seen Jesus raise people from the dead. Jairus' daughter, the widow of Nain, her son, and Lazarus. He said he was the resurrection and the life. Why was he still dead? Why did he have to suffer like that? Why did he have to go through all that brutality and torture and abuse and whipping and flogging and nailing? Why? They had seen him heal people, 
heal every disease and sickness. Why did he let his body be abused and tortured? Why? And why was he so silent? Why did he say so little at his own trial? They had heard him for over three years, preaching and teaching with elegance, simplicity, but depth. Words that spoke with authority. Why didn't he use that eloquence at his own trial to get acquitted and prove his own innocence? Why? And why was he arrested? Why? They had seen crowds try to arrest him before. Luke records that just a few chapters before, and he just walked through them. Why on this occasion, when a mob came in the night, why did he allow himself to be arrested? Why has it all gone so wrong? They haven't encountered the risen Jesus. So to them, it's a disaster. And they are asking, why? It started so well. A few years before, this brand new, radical, charismatic rabbi comes out of the north, comes out of Nazareth, preaching like no one has ever done before, healing like no one has ever done before, captivating thousands and thousands of people when he speaks like no one has done before, doing miracles they've never seen before, healing the blind, the deaf, the disabled, healing the lepers, healing the demon-possessed, raising the dead. It was going so well. Thousands were following him. Is he the one? Is he the one? How did it end like this? Why? And why on that Easter Sunday morning are they now hearing strange rumors? Mary Magdalene, according to John, there at the crack of dawn, in her grief, in her pain, in her agony, with eyes full of tears, suddenly encounters the risen Jesus alive and runs back and tells them. Some of the women rush down to the tomb because they want to anoint his body. It was never cleaned after the brutality of crucifixion. But they get there and there is no body. But there are angels saying, why are you looking for the living in the place of the dead? And they're hearing these rumors. They're hearing rumors of disciples, Peter, John, going down there and saying, yes, there is no body, just the burial cloths. So why are they now hearing rumors? And so they leave Jerusalem. The two of them just walk away. In their confusion, with their questions, they just walk away. And what does Jesus do? In the midst of Resurrection Sunday, he goes after them. He doesn't want anyone lost. In the midst of that glorious, magnificent Sunday, he goes after them. He joins them. They are kept from knowing it is him because he wants to answer the questions, why? And how does he do this? 
He walks at their side like a normal traveler walking the same direction. He listens to their questions and he starts to answer them. But notice how he answers them. He answers from scripture. He goes back to scripture. It makes me wonder how scripture rich are people today? How Bible literate are we today? How much do, time do we spend on our work, our family, our hobbies? And how much time do we spend in scripture? Reading it, pondering it, taking it to our father and saying, I don't quite get this. Help me understand it. But it is scripture Jesus uses to explain all their questions going right back to Moses and explaining he had to suffer. He had to die. It was the only way to save humanity. It was the only way. And only he could pay that price. Only the son of God who is perfect, the perfect lamb for the perfect sacrifice. Completely free, but so expensive, so costly. It cost God his only son. It cost Jesus his physical life. And that was the plan. And this is what things like the epistle reading today and the, and the teachings we get from Peter and Paul throughout the New Testament reinforce it was the plan from the beginning. This was the perfect plan and the perfect solution. And Jesus spent two, three hours with those two disciples explaining it, going right back to Moses through the prophets and explaining it bit by bit in a way that they could understand. He knew they were confused. He knew they were struggling. He knew they had questions. And in his love, he went to them to answer their questions. On that Easter Sunday, he went to Mary Magdalene when she was broken with grief when she was pouring her heart out at the tomb. He saw her grief and went to her. John tells us in the gospel reading we had last week of the disciples who locked themselves in a room, locked in doubt and fear. He went to them. And today's reading, the two who left Jerusalem and walked away he went to them. Jesus knows every one of us in this church today. He knows everyone who may even watch this service virtually, either today or in the future. And he knows every single person and the situation they are in, in their life right now. He knows the questions we have. 
He knows the struggles we're having in our lives. He knows the pains and the worries and the grief we are carrying. And it is the same Jesus that went to the two disciples on the way to Emmaus that wants to come to us right now and come to us and walk with us and support us with everything we go through in our lives. Nowhere in the Bible, nowhere in the words of Jesus does it say, believe and your life will be perfect. That promise is not given. The promise Jesus gives is give your life to me and I will walk with you. I will never, ever leave you. Let me take the burden of your life and your worries and your concerns. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. And this is the beauty of this passage. Two disciples, confused, big questions of why, walking away, and he goes after them to bring them back. Everyone is precious and important. To God, there is nobody. Sometimes we may feel, I'm nobody. I'm nothing important. I'm nothing special. Don't say that. That is not true. Because that is not how God sees you. Because God sent his son to die for you on that cross and rise again to save you and offer you the gift, that beautiful gift of eternal life. Whatever is going on in your life right now, he knows. And he wants to come alongside you and support you. But how do we hear him now, today? How do we hear his word for us in the 21st century? How do we hear what he's saying? We hear his word through scripture. That's how he answered the questions of the two on the way to Emmaus. He spoke through scripture. He can speak through music, through worship, through the songs we use. He can speak when we're just walking down a road with his still, small voice. He still speaks, but are we tuned in to him? And do we give him the time to just sit with him in the busyness of our lives, with our work and our family and our so many commitments? When do we just sit and listen and give him space and time to come to us? Not with our agendas, not with shopping lists of prayers that we're dumping on him. When do we sit and say, come, Lord, I'm listening. Come, Lord, your servant is listening. He's the God who reaches out. He's the savior who wants none lost. One of the most beautiful parables, one of my favorite parables and stories he told was the lost sheep. I love that. I can relate to the lost sheep. 
because there are times in our lives when we may feel lost. We're not. He knows where we are. And he will come to us. He told us that. He gave us that parable of the shepherd who left the 99 in a safe place to go and fetch the one who'd strayed off and got lost. He doesn't want anyone lost. He wants to bring all to his kingdom. So as we leave this place today, wherever we're going to go, he goes with each one of you and walks at your side, just like he did 2,000 years ago with the two disciples walking to Emmaus. You may leave this building, this city, this land. He goes with you, and he will never leave you. But maybe we need to think, how much time are we giving to him? How much time are we allowing him to speak to us through scripture and that still small voice. And that bit is on us. Let us pray. Father God, we come to you now in the stillness of this moment. We thank you for your son. We thank you he is not stuck in a tomb rotting as dust now, but he is risen. We thank you for his promise to be with us until the end of time. We thank you that as we leave this place, he does indeed go with us. Help us, Lord, to be more open. Help us, Lord, to give you more time. Help us, Lord, to hear your still, small voice as we live our lives for you, your glory, and the growth of your kingdom. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you've been blessed by this teaching, let us know by leaving a comment on our Facebook page, on SoundCloud, or by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts. You can offer practical support by giving a donation at ChristChurchJerusalem.org. Thank you and blessings from the city of the king.